Uh, happy New Year, Jim. First uh, first show of the year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Did you have a good New Year? It was very quiet. My my son was here, and we just did you know father son things. Picked up the guitar, played some Ozzy, Metallica, you know things every father and son does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we uh, we went out to dinner with friends early. So because uh, New Year's Eve, I, I think New Year's Eve sucks. It's the the worst, right? It's like you're young and you just think, well, everybody goes out New Year's Eve, so I'm going out, and you go out, and I. I don't remember ever having a good time on New Year's Eve. It's always crowded. The only time I ever remember having a good time on New Year's Eve, and it's very funny because sometimes it's like the security question on like your bank or whatever. They're like, where were you on New Year's Eve 1999? Yeah. And I remember that one because we had friends uh, in town here in Philly from Florida, and we we just stayed in our, our, me and Amy's place for the evening. And then before midnight, we went down to uh, – there's a park called Penn's Landing wasn't too not too far of a walk uh and it was an uh, a unusually warm new year's eve for philadelphia so it wasn't like we were real cold we just took a bottle of champagne with us and they had fireworks and we watched fireworks and it was very nice but in other words we didn't spend any money we didn't have to wait in line anywhere we didn't have to wait for a cab we didn't have to drive anywhere we just walked yes yeah, so if anybody asked me where were you on this new year's eve i could just quickly say home <laughs> I, I just i you know it's so expensive to go out on it's, new year's eve it's like three times more expensive than like if you go out on december 30th right 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 and you know it's even worse if you have kids because then you know you have to pay like ten thousand dollars for a babysitter right. and you know then you have uh the the exorbitantly priced dinner and drinks that you have to go for and it just it's the same thing every year and I'd rather watch. I didn't even make it up till midnight. I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, Amy and I went out. Uh, I don't remember if it was recent enough that, that we could just leave Jonas at home or if we had Amy's sister come and watch. I think we probably had her sister come and watch him. Uh, uh, so we went out to one of our favorite restaurants and we went late so that we could ostensibly be there at midnight, you know? So it was a real late dinner, maybe like a 10 o'clock dinner stayed and uh you know did the countdown with the restaurant full of people and of course it was more expensive than usual and it wasn't as good because i feel like it was too crowded and you know you know like dinner was just slightly off it wasn't bad but slightly off and then we yeah. leave and we're like i don't know it's like a mile and a half from our house and, you know we're right here in, in center city philadelphia but it's cold and amy had heels on you know so she's not gonna walk but we couldn't get a cab just couldn't get a cab uh because it's New Year's Eve and it just was just past midnight. Could not get a cab. So we thought, hey, let's just go uh, to uh, a hotel, you know, right down the street. There's a hotel. They have a nice bar. We'll go there. We'll have one more drink. And then by the time we're done, there'll be plenty of cabs. We go in and it's only like 20 after midnight. And the hotel bar is closed. It's just completely shut down. And it's like because the, <laughs> they want everybody out, right? Like ordinarily, they would never be closed at, at 12, you know, 12 midnight. They'd be open till right. like two. But they're closed because they want everybody out because everybody's a drunken mess. So we started walking home and like her feet are hurting and eventually a cab comes by. And we're only like, we're like four blocks from our house. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll still get a cab. Her feet hurt. And, and the guy just rolls down his window, the cab driver, and he just says, where are you going? And I told him our, you know, where our address, it's, he knows it's only four blocks from where we are. And he goes, uh, he goes 30 bucks. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh over, my god! And it's going to be off the meter. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this. But it's if it was my feet that hurt, I would I would say, you know, go fuck yourself. But it's Amy, yeah. and I'm like, all right, all right. You know, I paid thirty dollars to go four blocks in a cab. Wow. We haven't gone out on New Year's Eve since. Yeah, I don't blame you. No, so we went. I, we went out. We went out early, like five thirty, to dinner with some friends in Chinatown, um, and just you know, a guy uh, knows a guy, and, you know, and it, so it wasn't like a fancy. You know, you would never even know it was New Year's Eve. Well, you know, I, I we uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, came over for a little bit, and they they brought. Um, you know, like a, a pot of pulled pork and and some um sam uh buns you know and we we had that right. but that that was about it still i didn't make it till midnight like, I, was, <laughs> I was kicking them out get out get out i gotta go to bed <laughs> i'll bet you're grumpy when you have to go to bed <laughs> i'm grumpy when i have to go to bed and when i haven't eaten <laughs> I've seen you when you're hungry. You're you're not not in a good mood. <laughs> yeah, we ended up at uh, uh, what what's that place in San Francisco? The the House of Meat or something? House of House of Prime Rib. House of Prime Rib. Yeah. Is that where you went? Or did, are you I, talking I was, to me and you when you were hungry? That yeah, night? yeah, I remember yeah. that. That you were in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> well, they take care of you at House of Prime Rib. They go, they don't yeah, leave they do. hungry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. It's, you know, it's New Year's. There's not a lot of news to talk about. We got like year in review stuff we could talk about. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to start with anything. I, I saw this and this to me is one of those topics where I know it, it, it's like opinions are all over the map. And I know that some people think that I'm off my rocker on this, which is the question of where does Siri stand compared to its competitors like Google, uh, assistant and Alexa from Amazon. Yeah. Um, and I linked to a piece. Uh, who's this guy? Where's the, what was his name? Uh, uh, this guy at birchtree.com, where he did a, a study. He did 50 commands with Siri and Google Assistant, the exact same commands. And Siri actually did better on more of them than Google Assistant, which is does not surprise me. It's, it's, and I think the bottom line is that none of these things are actually good. Siri is not good. Google Assistant is not good. Alexa is not good. All of these things stink. And like 10 years from now, we're going to look back at the state of all these things, and they're, they're like ridiculous. They're like, yeah. it's, it's, it's such early days, and they're, they all fail in such frustrating ways compared to, like, even if you had a bad human uh, a, a personal assistant, like a personal assistant who you're like, I, I should fire this person and <laughs> hire somebody yeah. else. They're, but they're, they're, they're like, it, it, it no human being is as stupid or as frustrating as these things are overall in terms of like, if you're talking about a certain topic and then you're like, well, go get me one of those. And they're like, what, you know, you can't, you just can't talk to them the way you really want to. And we will, it's clear that that's what we're working towards. But I thought that this guy's thing. And then I, of course, because people are very angry about Siri people, this is like an emotional topic. <laughs> people, I don't uh, that's one thing I don't get like I and I'm not emotional about it and I know that there are some people and they're you know they think that because I I tend to like Apple products I write about Apple that they think I I just uh, that I'm somehow like a home team cheerleader for Siri I really uh, don't 
think so. I think Siri stinks. I just think the other ones stink too. And that in some ways Siri is better in ways that are meaningful to me. Um, but people, one of the things people said about this uh, guy's study was that he was using um, on an, on an Android device, but he was using Google Allo to do the queries and you type, it's like a little chat bot. So it's sort of like typing it in uh, iMessage. You know, and so instead of dictating it verbally, he's he's typing, and they're saying that the argument is that that's not a fair comparison because the real Google Assistant is a voice-driven thing, and it's only available on the Pixel phones. And he didn't have a Pixel phone, so I don't know. It's, it's, for me, it, it's about what you want to use it for. That's what it comes down to for me. So Siri, and I said this yesterday about you know all of the. Um, of the things that are showing up at CES about yep. uh, Alexa, yep. you know, that to me, Siri is the assistant that you carry with you. It's your mobile assistant, but Apple doesn't seem to be taking those steps uh, for the home. So if you want, uh, you know, an assistant in the home that right now, that seems to be Alexa. Matt Birchler is the name of the guy who wrote this uh, story. I'll put it in the show notes the difference between Google Assistant and Siri. And what he did is he made a video about it, which I think was a very useful way of doing it, where you can actually see the results live. Yeah, I I just, I mean, it's what what uh, Amazon is doing right now is very smart. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting Alexa into as many products as they can so that they just become the default. And it's yeah. a very smart thing to do. Yeah, I wrote about this recently where um, they, there was an announcement that uh, when Las Vegas is going to put Alexa or the Echo into all f- like 4,800 of their hotel rooms in their Vegas property. Um, and that uh, however much you want to say that this, you know, home device stuff is early days, you know, hey, 5,000 hotel rooms here, 5,000 home hotel rooms there. And all of a sudden you've got like a sustained lead because things like that don't get replaced that often. You know, it's like, how, how long did it take hotel rooms to get rid of the 30 pin chargers on their alarm clocks? <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, it's, it's yeah. I, every once in a while, I, I don't know the last time I saw one of those, but I, you know, if, until recently, I occasionally would, you know, the alarm clock would have the 30 pin charger. I mean, that's like, what, five, six years old in terms yeah. of the last time you could buy an iPhone that had one of those. Um, You know, you put, Wynn puts 5,000 of these Alexa things in there and hooks up all of the lights and 4,000 rooms full of lights and shades and the window blinds to Alexa, they're not going to replace it with another device, you know, next year. Nope. Um, and so it seemed, how would you summarize the news coming out of CES? You wrote this, uh, you got the story on your site. Alexa is everywhere. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. I, I've, I've just never liked CES to be honest with you. Did you ever go? I did. Yeah, I went for a few years. And it's just craziness. Because a lot of the stuff that you see at CES aren't real products. Right. And it's difficult to really assess what's happening in terms of consumer electronics when, you know... 80% 80% of the products aren't real or 70% or 60%, you know, I'll, they're, they're bringing proof of concept things to CES uh, to see how people react to them. So 
the news out of CES to me is just always every year is just kind of eh. Well, wait, wait, how would you summarize the Alexa news? Um, uh, well, the Alexa news I find very interesting, not because of Alexa, but because everybody is choosing that platform. Hmm. And well, and partially because it's well, it, it, it's a story done on your side, the loop. Uh, Dave Mark wrote it um, that they're following the Netflix strat- strategy of trying to embed Alexa everywhere that they can in a yeah. way that Netflix seemingly, if you've got a box that makes video come out of it, Netflix is going to do, is willing to put a, a Netflix app on that box. I mean, they're on, can you buy a, a video box that doesn't come with Netflix? I don't know. I don't know if you can. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's everywhere. I mean, it's even on Comcast now. Uh, you know, that Xfinity thing. Right. So, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. I, uh, I had a, a relative who had that with their Comcast thing, and I, that blew me away. It really it surprised me that Comcast would, would do that, because you would kind of think Comcast wants to keep you tied to the, the cable channels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's like other other companies. Among the things I've seen is that there are other companies coming out with Echo like docs. Uh, some of them, who was the one that was working with like Harman Kardon to make really, you know, like a really good speaker. So yeah. like if you're if if your gripe about the Amazon uh, Echo is, hey, I I want one of these things. I would get the Amazon version, but I really want better sound quality than this. Uh, they've instead of doing it themselves, they've they've just licensed the Alexa technology to these other companies. Um, but other things too, though, like uh, uh, Ford Motor Company announced that they're gonna they're gonna put Alexa into their cars. Um, I, I don't know. It just seems like they're running away with this. Do you? have a, a voice assistant at home do you have google or alexa i have the alexa thing in a kitchen and we never use it but on the other <laughs> hand no we really don't honest <laughs> to god uh, uh i got it to, so i could you know try it and it just felt like a reasonable business expense and maybe we would like it but we one thing is we don't have any um like smart light bulbs or anything like that we don't have any smart yeah. anything in the house because we're moving somewhat soon supposedly uh it's a long story, but oh, it doesn't gosh. make any sense to buy stuff like that for the place we live now. And right. everybody I know who does like Alexa, like Ben Thompson really likes it, um, has stuff in the house where you can say things, you know, like turn out the kitchen lights or whatever. Um, and we don't have anything like that. And for the stuff I do do, it doesn't work as well as Siri for me. Like I, I can't stand the way usually I, I've said this before on the show is I don't want to be a broken record, but a lot of times all I care about, especially when I'm in our kitchen, our kitchen has windows so I can see what the weather's like. I could see if it's raining or sunny or whatever. All I want to know is the temperature outside. And Alexa, if you say, what's the temperature? She, she understands it, but all she does is give you a full weather report for the day which I don't want. It takes like 30 seconds. I, and if you ask Siri for the temperature, she just tells you the temperature. Hmm. But that leads well, me, that leads me to something that I want to complain about Siri. All right. So with Siri, when you ask her the temperature, if it, I don't know what the threshold is, but somewhere around the freezing, uh, maybe it's like under 40 degrees Fahrenheit or so. Uh, she answers with, Burr, and then tells you the temperature. 
every 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 goddamn time. Now, and this to me is one of the worst things about Siri, like the cutesiness of, of trying to be funny. Like when you don't, if you're not asking her to be funny, because it's not funny. That's not funny at all. Like <laughs> it's funny to me. <laughs> well, but no human being would do that. Like if no, I had true. a real human assistant, nobody, they, they never, and, and they knew the temperature. They would never say, brr, it's 33 degrees. Uh, yeah. And if they did, they would do it once. And maybe only in the context of like a surprisingly cold day, like if yeah. it was the middle of September and the temperature dropped to an unusual degree, you could say something like that. But on the East Coast in Philadelphia in January, it's completely normal for it to be 33 degrees. There's nothing unusual about it at all. And so it's not funny. It's just annoying. And it's every and, time. Right. And and it's, uh, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want my computers to work like that. I realize yeah. that the conversational nature of Siri is a little different than like using the Mac, but it's like, uh, I, like if I, I, I make a new numbers spreadsheet and and I, t you know, title it like uh, 2016 uh, Daring Fireball Company Expenses, you know, because I'm getting ready to go get my taxes done. I don't want the computer, when I hit return on saving the file, to say, uh, you know, tax time again, huh? Yeah. Right? It's like, I don't want my computer making weird, obvious, duh comments like that. But yet Siri does. Just tell me the <sighs> goddamn temperature. Are they trying to make Siri more, I don't know, friendly? I mean, yeah, but you, that's you, not friendly, though. To me, yeah, I guess yeah. that's obviously the intent is to try to make it friendly, but it's not because it's so phony because it's every day, every single day, right? It, and that to me has the opposite effect where it just makes it seem it, 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 it's more artificial than if, if she just said 33 degrees, you know, going down to whatever. Right. I find it incredibly annoying. But then on the other side, you have uh, Alexa giving you full weather forecast when all you want is the temperature. Right. The thing with this Alexa everywhere is I, I don't quite know how it's going to tie into being personal in terms of um, like Amazon just doesn't know that much about me. You know, and you can do things like say, uh, uh, add to my shopping list and it's just like your Amazon shopping list, but it's like, I, I, and I think there's a way you can hook up your Google calendar, but I don't use Google calendar. So, you know, like Siri has an advantage on things like access to my actual calendar that Alexa is never going to have. Right. And I don't think like Alexa can't send text messages or iMessages. I don't, there was certainly not iMessages. Uh, and I don't think it can send text messages. Uh, so I don't know. It's it seems more about information and controlling like this, just controlling your environment with the lights and playing music than about being a real personal assistant. Well, and I, I'm the same way uh, as you. I don't have uh, the light bulbs, and I don't. But I, when I think of a personal assistant in the home, I think of having something that will be more interactive with me and my surroundings than what anything is right now. Maybe that's why I don't really, I, I haven't gone out and purchased one of these because it doesn't really do anything besides answer questions. You know, I mean, yep. I don't know. You know um, uh, Merlin loves his. Mm -hmm. 
Ben Thompson does too. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, I don't maybe know. I'm not, but right now, I mean, if I sat down now and even if there was a sale on Alexa this afternoon, I don't think I'd buy one because I, I just, I don't think it's going to do a whole lot for me. I mean, look at the Google commercial about the, you know, the little boy that's saying, trying to make the dog disappear. All right. And he's trying to figure out what the magic word is. I mean, that's cute, but it really didn't do anything. Hmm. So I I don't know. I, I keep coming back to this solve a problem thing. How much is Alexa solving a problem? Right now, none. Uh, the new products, it, it may. But I, I just don't see what it's doing for me that so great that I just can't do it myself. <laughs> I you see know? how eventually it will. I think eventually it's exactly. going to be amazing. I really do. I think, yeah. I think if you could just tell your assistant, "Hey, I'm uh, I'm flying to San Francisco," uh, you know, on these dates, what are my choices for uh, flights from American Airlines? And then, you know have Siri come back in a couple of seconds and just have like an ordered list of, you know, like direct flights from Philly to San Francisco. That would be fantastic. Isn't that what that new one did that Samsung bought? Yeah, sort of. I mean, but again, I think that's a lot like CES where Viv and Viv was created. That's the one that's created by the people who originally created Siri. So they have a track record. It's not like they're, you know, a, a, like they don't have a track record. Um, but I don't think, I think it was sort of a proof of concept, you know, like when they demoed it, I don't think it was right. a real, you know, it really couldn't do the things that they were showing. But that's, that's where they, where, where they're going with it. Right. You know, it seemed, and, and this is, I mean, when everybody saw that, we all, you know, everybody freaked out because, Siri couldn't do those things, but we don't know that Siri can't do those things. We right. just know that the Siri that we have can't. Right. So we're we're very uh, quick to to jump on Apple and say that they're not doing things, but Siri could outdo Viv right now in in you know the prototype models. Bottom line for me is not that again, not that Siri is behind these other companies, but that they all still stink overall, yeah. and they're better. Yeah. And but they're very different at different things. Like one of the things that most people really praise uh, Alexa for is that once you know exactly what to say to it, it'll get it every time, and it's and the response time turnaround response time is faster for a lot of people with uh, Alexa in terms of how long do you have to wait. The thing that matters, the reason it it, it all matters, and a perfect example of why it matters is AirPods, right? Because Siri is a big part of AirPods. And I right. know, like, my wife loves her. She really, really loves them. And she's switched from Siri to having double tap play pause because she finds the need to pause without taking it out a lot. And so, like, she even tweeted that that switching it to play pause was a game changer. Like, it really yep. made her it, – it that preference setting made her go from – mostly liking AirPods to loving AirPods. Um, I, I set mine like that, you know, a, a day after I had them in when I figured out how to change that setting. I've, I've kept it, I, I've kept it on Siri almost since I, I had it on play pause for a little bit, but I like taking it out. So it, it, it and usually it, it works for me, you know, 
not works like functionally works, but in, in practical terms, it, it's fine for me to just take it out to play pause. Um, so I keep it on Siri. So I use the Siri a lot, uh, huh. but it, it, the biggest annoyance for me is the pause between when I double tap it and when I get the prompt. And I'm right. so, uh, what's the word? Uh, impatient that a lot of times I'll start saying what I want to say before it's actually listening. The accuracy is probably it's probably the most accurate Siri product I know, and I don't know if that's because the microphone is right there, you know, it, it, so close to my mouth. I don't know if it's because there's two of them. I don't know if if you know, like if they're doing funny stuff, like in you know, getting it out of the bones in my ear or whatever. But it's very very accurate. She, yes, it is. When I dictate into AirPods, it's the accuracy is the highest of any product. Um, but that pit that that pause between the second tap and when it's actually listening is infuriating. Yeah. I do the same thing as you. It's, it's like when it's on uh, Bluetooth in the car. Have you tried that? It's on Bluetooth in the car and you press it and there's this long pause and I've already started talking just out of mm, habit yeah. and the pause is even longer than normal. Yeah. And I get that, you know, it's because it's over Bluetooth and it's, kind of connecting as a phone call or however it does it, but still it's not optimal. I think that it's it, the number one way that Siri needs to improve is response time beyond any, just don't even get into the, the, what Siri can do and the, the accuracy and whatever, but getting the response time as close to zero as possible, I think is essential. And I think in, in all of computing, people recognize that that's, it doesn't matter what field you are in. Eventually anything where there's a delay it uh, it if you don't get rid of that delay the product falls by the wayside you know yeah like it yeah. used to be i remember back when we had floppy disks when you'd hit command s you'd have to wait wait a bit for the <laughs> file just for like a word processing file to save right and you'd hear the yeah. floppy going you know it's oh my right you'd have to wait but you know you, you don't have to wait anymore uh, well, now it does it automatically. So, but, but that's the whole thing. We know that that this is going to be a lot different right. in in the coming years. It's just right now, I have difficulty finding the the usefulness yeah. for all of this stuff. Here's here's another example: Apple Maps. It's very cool. It really is. But if you're going somewhere where you don't know. Um, Apple Maps will will just say, um, in a half a mile, turn left. Whereas Google Maps is more um, interactive, more friendly, more detailed. Google Maps will say, in half a mile, use the left two lanes mm. to turn left. Okay. You know, now I know what my options are. Or if you're coming to one of those uh, intersections on the, the freeway, you know, Google Maps will say, uh, you know, in in one mile, use the right two lanes to take the exit here, then right. keep left. You know, uh, then use the left lane to, to keep left. I That's see, useful. Yeah, That is very useful. Yeah. Um, to just say... Uh, keep right and then a lot of times there's a fork in the road when you keep right and then it says now keep left right. you know it doesn't it doesn't say everything that you need i think to be uh 
to allow you to be as successful in, in your journey. So I love Apple Maps. I think it's great. Uh, it, it's very cool interface. It, uh, you know, for the most part, it, it gives great directions. The directions are basically the same. They're just more detailed in areas that you don't know to allow you. And I, I actually used it um, Christmas Day. I went to visit uh, a friend, and I've only, I had only been to their house one time before, and uh, I had been playing around. I, Of course, like we all do, we play around with the apps all the time. Um, and I was playing around with uh, with Google Maps, and I used it, and it clued into me how much that mattered. That little yeah. detail mattered in areas where uh, I didn't know where I was going. So that's, that's a situation where, yeah, this actually did help solve a problem for me. You know, I wasn't turning into the middle lane and then waiting for Apple Maps to say which way I have to turn. Right, but or something you know? it, as humane as saying when it, when if it tells you you can be in either of the two left lanes and you're right. already in like the one closer to the center, then you know you're already good and you don't have to worry about merging one more lane over just because you know you have to make a left. That's actually right. very useful information. And it's yeah. the sort of thing that once you're familiar with with a with a route to a certain to, you just do that. Your brain does that automatically. You're like, oh yeah, yes. I know I'm good. There's two lanes that go right here because it's a busy exit. Yeah, and actually, after I make that left turn, I have to make an immediate right. So you know, I better stay in the uh, you know the second most left lane because that that's where I'll I'll want to turn. And see, those are just the the types of things that I when I when I talk about the usefulness, that to me is very useful. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like that. All right, let me take a break here and thank one of our good friends. It's our good friends at MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. They send a lot of email out of MailChimp. What are some of the things you can do? Well, you can use MailChimp to send an onboarding series to introduce new subscribers or users to your business or organization or app or whatever it is. You can automatically follow up with customers after a purchase and recommend other products that they'll love. You can surprise your best customers with a coupon triggered by their shopping behavior. All sorts of ideas and all sorts of integrations. They integrate with WordPress, Facebook, uh, online store packages like Shopify and Magento. They integrate with all of these apps and web services that you use every day. What are the prices? You can send up to 12,000 emails a month to a list of up to 2,000 subscribers with MailChimp's forever free plan. Guess how much that costs, the forever free plan? Well, it's free. And guess how long it's free for? It's free forever. <laughs> as long as you've got 2,000 or fewer subscribers across all lists in your account, you can send up to 12,000 emails a month without paying MailChimp a dime. They won't even ask for a credit card. Uh, and if you need to, if you have more than that, if you have more than 2,000 customers, well, then you're already doing well. You can afford to pay. And the prices are amazing. So go to MailChimp.com and get started. That's it. MailChimp.com. There's no coupon, no code, nothing else to remember. Just go to MailChimp.com and see what they have to offer. They're an unbelievable service, unbelievable company, really great friends of the show. They've sponsored us forever, including, I think, every year that we've done it, the, uh, they've been the sponsor of the, uh, the open bar at the live talk show at uh, wow. WWDC. So I, I, I use MailChimp um, all the time for the loop. 
Yeah, it's love, great. Love it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, does they don't, I don't think, honestly, I don't even know who their competitors are. I, I don't, it's like they're so far above the best at, yeah. at doing personalized email that it's, I don't even know what you would say. So anyway, if any kind of needs for email, or if maybe you don't even know you have needs for email, go check out MailChimp.com. All right, what about this? Uh, there was a really good article by Chuck Von Rossbach. He called it mm. Apple's 2016 year in review. And I thought it was really thoughtful. I didn't agree with everything that he wrote, but, you know, that's that's the way the world works. Um, but I thought he made a couple of good points, in particular on the uh, airport base stations and the Mac Pro lineups in particular. Um, and the thing that both of these products have in common, I mean, obviously the Mac Pro is a very expensive product. It's, you know, core to a lot of people's relationship with Apple if you're a professional that has a need for a Mac Pro. That's this is probably it's probably the most important thing that Apple makes for you. Uh, very expensive too. I guess it's Apple's most expensive product, right? I mean, I can't imagine that there's anything else that that's more expensive than a trip tripped out Mac Pro. Yeah. Airport base stations are not. They're sort of a other. I don't even know what category they put them in on the Apple website, but it's sort of like a little peripheral, and they're not very expensive. And it's just sort of. Uh, just a way to, to keep you in the Apple ecosystem and to make sure that, uh, you know, you have an Apple-like experience setting up Wi-Fi in your house where you, you know, get a nice little app on your phone and it's very easy to understand how to set it up from a, a consumer's point of view. And because if you're using an Apple airport, you know that things like uh, back to your Mac or whatever should work, you know features you know the 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 way that the features that apple has for the products that that operate over the internet you know presumably they're going to work better with or at least as they're expected to with an airport base station but the thing with both of these products is they are terribly out of date and they're still but yet apple is still selling them at the same prices as what when they came out and i don't know and there was a story german had a story a couple months ago that uh that apple is getting out of the airport game and that they've They've reassigned the engineers who were previously working on airport base stations to other teams. Uh, so I don't. Who knows what's going on there? Yeah, I. You know what's interesting about 2016 is that the products that had the least amount of updates are the ones that are get is getting the most amount of news. <laughs> you know, uh, the Mac didn't have a lot of updates, especially the Mac Pro and iMac, but. That's what everybody's talking about. Right. I I don't think that they're abandoning the Mac. Well, I don't. We can get to the Mac in a bit, and I don't think so either. But with the airport, it's a simpler story, I think. Well, it has to be because it's either they're, you know, it's a simpler product. Do you think Apple should still be making airport base stations? I would love for them to still make airport base stations. Because I think that they're they're good, you know they they. I I guess the argument against it is that there are plenty of other companies that make just fine products. So it, there's no uh, no way for Apple to really stand out. Like Apple's Apple should focus on the products that they can build that are best in class, right? Like yeah, the iPhone, in my opinion, is far and away the best phone that you can buy. And it's not even, you know, to me, it's not even close. And the, the difference is, even if you disagree that it's the best, you can certainly see how it's different because it's the only phone that runs iOS. And iOS the, is a huge thing. 
the only reason I think that Apple is not best in class in the products that it builds is because those are the products that it's not focusing on. I mean, there was a time when when the airport time machine, you know, time capsule, they were um, they were best. Yeah, they were definitely. I thought, especially when you take into consideration not just how they function once set up, but the setup process itself. You know, yeah. like, because I remember the one time at one point I did have a, I forget if it was Linksys, I, I think it was a Linksys, um, and I, it was it was ridiculous how you configured the thing. It was like you had to go to like a special, you'd turn it on and you'd you'd point your web browser on your computer to a certain IP address that wasn't like outside. It was right there on the the Linksys and type a password, and it was like nobody ever changed the password. You know. You could. I did, of course, but most people didn't. And it was like, it's stupid. It was like the password was like admin or something like that. Yeah. And then you'd, you'd, you'd configure it in your web browser. And it was like, you really had to be like a, a low level network engineer to understand what anything meant. It was really, really difficult. Um, and whereas right from the get-go airport, you'd, you'd configure it with a really nice app on your Mac that was, you know, just like everything else. Like it was, it was easy you know mac style interface to to configure this stuff i don't yep. know that that's they're not alone in that though and they have i will just say this just to just to, to as a, a to full disclosure eero has sponsored the talk show a couple of times they're not a sponsor this week uh, i don't think they're coming up soon either um but they have sponsored the site and they gave me as part of the sponsorship a three pack of eros so the eros i have set up here are you know were complimentary as part of the, the sponsorship package um, it's better. I, I, and I have a couple of friends who I know also have euros set up. I haven't heard from one of them who d didn't, didn't get a better network in their house. Um, after switching from like airport or, or some of them didn't, weren't even using airport before, but whatever they did that Eero gives them a better, you know, their house has better, faster internet now, you know, take a speed test, um, uh, with your old internet, take it out put the Eros in, take another speed test and you get better results. Um, and they have a nice ad, you know, I don't know that Apple could do better than Eero. I really don't. I mean, I think they could do as good, but I don't know that they can do better. And I know there's a couple of other companies that, that are doing the same thing with these mesh networks where you have a couple of devices met, you know, around your house. Um, I don't know, but I do know this, whether they should, if they're going to sell them, they should have updated hardware that's competitive with its current state of the art. And if they're not, they should get, get the hell out of the, the business and, you know, put, put Eros or some other brand in the Apple store and tell people to buy those instead. As it stands right now, you know, if you go into the Apple store and you're like, Hey, I've, you know, just moved to a new apartment. I want to get a new, uh, set up a new Wi-Fi network. If you go in the Apple store and do it, you're going to get a right now today, as we record, you're going to get a substandard product. Like that's antithetical to the Apple brand. I really do believe that, uh, and I, you know, I, I really do stand by this. I think it's true that the Apple brand, a big part of it for non-expert users is that you can go to the Apple store and buy, if they sell it, what you're buying from them will be uh, one of the best, you know, a, a great product. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're going in to buy a phone, you're going to get an iPhone. If you're going to get a laptop, you're going to get a MacBook, uh, these are great products and for stuff that they, the other type of stuff they sell from third parties, they're good stuff. Like if you get an iPhone case from the Apple store, it's going to be a good case. It's not going to be a piece of junk, but if you get a base station today, you're going to get one that's slower than if you bought Eros. 
So I think they should either they should either get out of the business or update the hardware. I might have to try that out. Euros. I just don't get. Do you get it? I don't get why they. I don't get why they're still well, selling. Yeah, and you know. Ugh. I think with the Mac Pro, and we can segue here into the Mac Pro. I think with the Mac Pro, my guess is that something went terribly wrong with the that radical new design of the trash can Mac Pro. Whether it's hard to make, whether this factory in the United States, where is it, Austin, isn't working out. You know, and that they, you know, uh, if they, it, it's some kind of thing where they anticipated that it would be easy to get new updated chips and GPUs and put them in the same design. And it's not, if it's proving too expensive to make and, the, you know, they need to redesign. And if they had to redesign a new product that was in the works that failed somehow, I, I think there's some kind of complicated story like that where they intended to have updated hardware and something happened behind the scenes that kept them from releasing it. You know, like they were expecting X, Y, and Z from Intel in 2016 and Intel did failed to deliver and it left them holding the bag because they didn't have a plan B. I don't know, something like that. But with the airport base stations, it doesn't make any sense to me why they couldn't have uh, an updated product if they wanted to. Well, and and what's strange is that when we when we I don't know what was it like three weeks ago or a month ago they released the first update software update for it in God knows how long for what for the airport base station oh yeah 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 you know just I don't know I I agree with you I do um see I, I, like you say that uh, there's other products out there that are faster. There are other products out there that are just as easy to use. And I haven't tried any of those. I still have two airport base stations, one uh, a time capsule and one uh, a regular. Mm -hmm. And that's what I use. You know, so I haven't had the need to to try any of the others. So for me, everything works fine. If I could get more speed then that would be great. I would love that. And if Apple is is not going to to keep up with it. I mean, if app the thing that we love the most about Apple products I think is the integration or one of the things. Yeah. You know, everything just kind of works together. Uh you know, the automatic backups for for Time Machine and you know, you get one of these um airports and everything just it just works. Everything talks to each other. It's great. And I I love that. I love not having to think about all the things that, you know, Apple does for us. So. Well, it doesn't always just work, which is well, you know another topic yeah. of conversation, but sometimes it does. And when it does, it's easy to forget just how cool it is. Like I, one of the ones that w works for me now, uh, and I hadn't actually tried it for a while because uh, my iCloud account was, I don't know, I couldn't have, I couldn't turn two-factor authentication on. I had two, they, they had two, there's, it's very confusing. There was like an older thing that they had that wasn't called two-factor. It was like two-form. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, identification. And it's like, it did send things to my iPhone. You know, I had that turned on. But it's like, when you have that turned on, you have to turn it off before you could switch to the real two-factor. And then when I did that, 
I my iCloud account couldn't have two, it just didn't give me the option to turn on two factor. But without mm. two factor authentication on your iCloud, you can't use this is what I'm getting to. You can't use the new unlock your Mac with your Apple Watch feature. Yes. So anyway, I got that straightened out somehow. Uh and I turned two factor on my uh iCloud account and I've, you know, got a a watch here running watchOS 3.1. And the unlock your Mac with the watch thing is amazing. It's absolutely yes, amazing. Love it. It's, love it. Uh, it. it I, I can't believe, and it works really well. And I know that it's one of those things. I, I think it was Mac OS, the, the 10.12.2 update, the same update where they, where they took out the, 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 time remaining for the battery thing yeah the same the same update one of the other features that was a bullet point you know like hey here's what we've got in this minor update to mac uh you know to mac os 10 um i guess they just call it mac os now sierra um was that they made the unlock with your watch a lot faster now i i i I didn't use it before that though. So I don't know how what the speed was, but the speed now is amazing. It it tells you as you wake up your Mac, it's like unlocking with Apple Watch. Right. And in and way it, less time than it would take me to enter my password, I'm yes. I'm in. And part of the the thing that they um that they fixed with that is even the language to set it up. Yes. Because be, before yes. they they didn't really explain to you what was going on. And if something went wrong, then it just kind of went wrong, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I was, I was very fortunate that I had, well, I set up a couple that went perfectly fine. And then I set up one that just would not work. And I couldn't figure out why it wouldn't work. Hmm. So now the language is, is better uh, they're they're being a bit more interactive in what they're doing, so all of that helps. Hmm. You know, I, I I really like the the unlock with Apple Watch because I I work a lot on my laptop on my uh, Mac. Right now, I'm using a MacBook Pro, and I work on that a lot. So whenever I walk up to it, it just unlocks. And I don't know about you, but I'll get up and go grab a coffee or, you know, get on the phone or, you know, just take a little walk. And and then when I come back, it's locked. And it's not a big deal, honestly, to type in your password. It's just more efficient not to no. if your Apple Watch is connected. And, uh, you know, again, that integration and the things that, that Apple saves you know the efficiency to me is a big deal um well it's let's circle back to the mac pro <laughs> what people look at this and and i i i think we're maybe so i i understand i i said it was almost like a form of paranoia and i think it's because i think people recognize that if you if you prefer a desktop style interface meaning you know a keyboard and a mouse and windows that are t stacked on the screen and you know there's you've got you could choose mac you could choose windows and then on the open source side there's a bunch of you know linux variants um i linked to a guy this week who tried like 10 of them do you see that where he tried like 10 different uh because he's like trying to prepare for what happens if mac os goes away 
uh, or at least for his own needs as a, like a Ruby developer. Um, and I think what people who really love and get the Mac, uh, understand is that there's nothing, the other ones are nothing like the Mac. Like I, I, it would, I, I don't know. I honest to God, I think I'd just stop uh, working if I had to use windows. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd become like a, a, I don't know, a lumberjack or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not cut out for physical labor. I'd have to find. I, 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 I want to see that. I'd have to find something else. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd become a podcaster and just record on on tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I would tapes. find it, but there and is something. The, the Mac OS is amazing. It is. It you know. It's so good in so many ways for a power user. And it doesn't mean, you know, and I realize, and I think the fear that people see is, you know, people see the that iOS sells way more devices, especially phones, but iPads, you know, however, however much iPads have declined in sales from their peak, they still outsell the Mac. Uh, and there are a lot of people for a lot, you know, for a lot of people, the iPad can be a, a great main computer and people see that. Um, and it gives them the fear that Apple's going to, you know, say, well, why, why waste time on the Mac much like why, you know, why waste time updating airport base stations when, you know, iOS is where it's at and we'll just make everybody move to iOS. Uh, I don't think that's that's reasonable. I don't think that's the case, but I think I'm loosely articulating the fear that's out there. Clearly. I mean, there's no, you, you can't deny that there are people who are worried about this, right? Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it is one of the main topics of conversation of of Mac power users right now. Is, yep. Is you know, and and there's you know, let's just put it out there. There's absolute the proof. There's proof that something is wrong. Insofar as the Mac Pro is like eleven hundred days old and hasn't been updated. Yeah. I mean, that is a fact. That's un- you, inarguable. You, yeah, you can't argue uh, the facts that that are out there, but. Is there we're we're very quick to believe, and in some cases we know that Apple has prototypes of uh, of different products. Um, you know they're they they're actively working on new products, and they have those prototypes. But for some reason, we refuse to believe that they're working on new Macs, right? And is that our problem or is it, you know, Apple's problem? I think it's partly Apple's problem because they haven't updated the damn thing. I think that, I think one of the, I think that one of the problems is a misconception among people who I think should even know better that they see Apple as almost omnipotent that they, if they, you know, that, that the, the, what I think is the case is that something has gone horribly wrong out. And this is not their plan. Apple never planned to, to go three years without an update to this and that something behind the scenes or maybe multiple things like it's like a, a, a domino effect of one thing leading to another has left them and, and that they are inside Apple terribly embarrassed that, you know, and there are people who are up the chain who are angry, you know, that, that it, but that because it's Apple and people and Apple keep their mouths shut, the story doesn't leak. And so from the outside, it just looks, you know, it's uh, like a, uh, a, a disastrous uh, uh, development process for either an updated Mac pro similar 
to the one that you know that 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 they unveiled three years ago, or an all new Mac Pro that is a totally new design. Because the reason that this one went without an update was there were various things that were wrong with it that from Apple's perspective, one way or the other, that those development projects went so wrong that they're delayed by years. Is that possible? I think there's a lot of people out there who think that that Apple has so many resources and is so wealthy and 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 good at this stuff that that couldn't be the case, and therefore Apple has willfully and purposefully put the Mac Pro in the state that it's in. I think well, there's a lot it, of people who think that, and I think they're wrong. I think Apple could. It, it, it's. I think they push the boundaries so hard that they fail all the time, and we just don't know it. Well, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But if something like the, if what you're describing is true, then it would have to be something outside of Apple's control. But we've seen. I don't know, uh, though. But just think, I don't even think it could be. Like, just think back, and I know it seems like ancient history, but think back to the Mac Cube in 2002. Well, I love the Cube. I still I wish, have a Cube. I wish that I wanted one. I coveted one desperately because it seemed like a perfect computer for me, but it was outside my budget. I loved it. Uh, but with those, like the fine cracks that were in it, you know, yeah. that was out, you know, that was within their control. It's, it's things like that. Like, uh, remember uh, to me, the, the best example that, that things can go terribly wrong for Apple proof is the white iPhone four. Yeah. Oh yeah. With right. The camera. And, and the first iPhone four, this was the last iPhone that was released at the June time frame. The 4S, I think, was the one that moved to September. So they announced it at like WWDC, and it's a radical new design. It's got a glass back. It really was a uh, just a great improvement, right? It's the first one that went Retina. Uh, it the 3GS was sort of a sort of like the cheapest looking iPhone that they ever made. You know, the 3G 3GS with the plastic back. So it's like a premium upgrade in in materials. It's uh, just great in so many ways. And they say it's available in black and white. And the black one comes out at like the end of June or first week of July. And then they say, well, there's a couple of weeks on the white one. And it's like a couple of weeks. And then it ends up, the thing doesn't ship until like May of the next year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so close. It was close to when people were anticipating the next iPhone would come out, even though it didn't come out in June. But that meant people... You know, it it was almost a full year late of a yep. product that they announced, and I, you know, and they've they've mumbled something about manufacturing process, you know, <laughs> right? They never really because they don't they're Apple, they don't want to explain what went wrong, right? But, but some it was the camera, right? Uh, I don't remember. remember. No, I th I think it was something with because it was the same camera as black, right? Or no, was it that the white interfered with the camera, right? Right. I I seem to remember that that was when uh, when you took a picture. Uh, it would the white would interfere with how the picture turned out not and it and and it was you know as far as i understand it was like if everything went perfectly in the manufacturing of the white back thing it was fine it's just that when they started trying to pump millions of them out you know at the full production rate some of them of too many of them like had this flaw where right like too much light got in and it ruined the thing yeah. cuz i remember um uh, and it was bizarre. It was like when the antenna gate. Were you there for the antenna gate press? Uh, I I I couldn't make it. It right. was on such short notice. Was I couldn't make literally it. Literally same day. I mean, I remember whatever day it was. They called me and they were like, 
it, it's tomorrow morning. So I had, it was like, yeah. uh, I think it's the only time I've ever done this. I, I, I like got the phone call at like two o'clock Eastern time here and found a four o'clock flight to, to SFO. And so like, <laughs> I, I was like, I booked it and it wasn't ungodly expensive, but you know, booking a flight that leaves in two hours is kind of expensive. Yep. And I told Amy, you know, I got to go there. Apple's having a thing about this antenna thing uh, tomorrow. I got a flight and I was like, like in a cab on the way to the airport about 20 minutes after, after I'd uh, gotten off the phone with Apple and, you know, got like, it was like the last, I mean, I, I think I had a couple of other choices, but it was the only nonstop that was that was remaining for the day um but anyway i remember going there for that meeting and um i was in the group of people that got the tour of the antenna facilities i don't know it was about right. 20 of us and while we were doing that we're walking between uh you know town hall and where they were going to show us these these antenna testing rooms you, you know we're there in the middle of the campus now at the events now they let us you know they have us go through the middle of of infinite loops campus but back then that was very rare they'd let you in like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they had like one door that you could go in and you were right there in front of town hall and that was it you know like you weren't going anywhere like now they let us you know they they have us come in the main door and we get to a little you know walk through the the campus but back in the the katie cotton days you didn't <laughs> you didn't get to yeah. see anything but we did to get to this thing and the thing that i remember was this is just it, when was that it was like august i think there were apple employees walking around with white iphones it's a very long story to say that, it, that, it, that there were. But anyway, the white iPhone 4 is proof that Apple, something can go disastrously wrong between prototype and saying, okay, yes, this, this is good to go. We're going to make this in mass production and then making it in mass production. Something can go wrong. And I think something like that has gone wrong with the Mac Pro. I, firm, this is, I, I have no reason to believe it other than that it makes the most sense to me. No no little birdies have told me anything like this, but I definitely think it's possible. And I think the pessimism out there is that there's too many people who who think that that couldn't happen to Apple because Apple is too, you know, too too rich, too good, too smart. Well, I I do you ever see a time, oh well not ever, in the next few years that Apple will come out and say we're done with the Mac or we're done with the pro levels. No, I don't. And in fact, I think the pro levels are the ones that have the, the biggest future. I think that the, the, I think the thing that makes the Mac essential is the, the pro level. Hmm. People often bring up, uh, and I think it's it's a good point now, but it's just one of many pro use cases. The one thing I've seen this argument a lot that no Apple the the Mac will be around forever because uh, you need a Mac to make iPhone apps, right? And uh, what could Apple do if they if they abandon the Mac? How would you, how would you make iPhone apps? Well, you they could in theory port Xcode to Windows, and the story would be okay. If you want to write iPhone apps, you have to use Windows. Um, I mean, technically that could happen, but there is 0% chance that Apple would do that. Zero. 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 Oh, okay, so let me ask you this. If if I say to you right now, uh, John, I want you to, to write and post this, this story uh, and hang up and go, would you go to your Mac or your iPad? Well, 
I would go to the Mac. I do almost all of my work on the Mac, but I don't right. dispute the fact that there are people like Federico Vidici and, oh. and Ben Brooks who who are it's more productive for them. You know, it's it is you know for different people, it's it, iOS could be. I, I see the appeal of it. I don't deny it. You know, like I feel like um, I feel like that's another mistake. A lot of Mac proponents, people who love the Mac and want you know really do it they there's some people i see it on twitter all the time where they say you know you can't do real work on an ipad and that the yeah, people that's, who, that's wrong and that the people who do are just sort of uh d- dilettantes you know that they're yeah you know they're trying it's like being a hipster you know like yeah. uh you know federico and ben have done some amazing things workflow right. wise uh work wise everything on their ipads i use my ipad all the time uh, I actually use multiple iPads all the time. I love the iPad. But if I'm going to sit down and and do some work, it's going to be on my Mac. Yeah, it just fits my I, brain either, better. Either my iMac or uh, my, my uh, MacBook Pro. Yeah. That's what it's going to be for me. And that's what i grew up with you know uh, what i what i did my business with the the ipad the iphone all of those things you know they the big uh, word is the computer in your pocket that's absolutely true it is absolutely true and i never forced myself to use um an iPad or an iPhone to do, you know, like as soon as the new product comes out, people say, Oh, I'm going to use this for a month instead of my Mac. I, I don't do stuff like that. I, I use it how it fits into my workflow and it does. It fits very, very well into my workflow. So I have things that I can do with it, but the Mac for me is still, I mean, I, when I record and, and write music, you know, that's on the, the 27-inch iMac. That's a powerful machine. And, you know, when the Mac Pro, uh, the MacBook Pro came out, I had um, I had a Logic project. Logic is a, you know, that's a professional-level um, uh, audio workstation. I had 48 tracks running simultaneously, audio, MIDI, uh, recording and I was editing. I mean, this is all live, and the MacBook Pro had no issue at all with it. Right. It just went right through. So they're all powerful computers these days. Are we at the the stage where we actually don't need a Mac Pro? I don't are know. the other are the other computers powerful enough for everything that we need to do? I do think that that's that's a legitimate question. I I wish that Apple would keep making Mac Pros and you know, putting the fastest Intel processors they can possibly get, figuring out a very clever engineered way to, to either reduce the need for a fan or to make the fan as utterly silent as possible. Cause it's just one of those things that Apple cares about that I'd feel like if, you know, you had to use some other company's computers, it's like they make more noise. It's like, you know, having a nice quiet computer is, is important to me. Uh, and I think it's important to a lot of pros. And I think that's one of, it's just, you know, it's why people are Mac users. People are Mac users because they care about the details and, and like a computer that makes noise makes, makes them angry. Whereas people yeah. who don't really care about the details are like, oh yeah, it makes noise like a hairdryer. Who cares? I don't care. I'll put headphones on, you know? And it's like, no, it's, you just spent a lot of money on this computer. It should be silent. Yeah. Um, so I hope they do, but given the evidence that they haven't updated it in three years, um, uh, 
I, I, you know, it's a legitimate fear that they're, the message is, no, the Mac's not dead. We love the Mac. The Mac has a bright future, but the Mac's future is iMacs and MacBooks. What do, what do you make of uh, what Tim Cook did after who uh, it was Bloomberg, I think, that wrote the story about, you know, that the Mac yeah. is basically gone. Um, and Tim came out in a Q and a company. Inter- like, yeah. yeah. Internally. And but knowing say, that it was going to leak. Right. Of course. Yeah. They, they know all that. Well, I, uh, what did he say? Do we, do we have he the said that they, they had uh, great uh, max in the, the pipeline. Right. Uh, now he didn't specify, but right. I think he said great desktops in the pipeline. I, I, I think he said that, which is, you know, it could just mean IMAX. Um, it could. Uh, I mean, people are still pining for uh, uh, new Mac minis. I think that's over. I kind of do too, which is a shame, but it's it's nowhere near. It's it's clearly the least essential product that Apple makes, and I know that that's painful for the people because that's the one thing about it is that yes, I think most people who buy a Mac Mini are just typical Mac users who are on a budget, and or you know maybe they already have a display that they don't want to replace. And so, the, you know, why why spend all the money on an iMac with its, you know, gorgeous? And in my opinion, the best, it's still, it's a, over a year since it's been updated, but I think it's the best display on the market, period, hands down. It, it, it's an unbelievable display. Um, mine, I have the one from the year before that doesn't have the high color gamut, and I still think it's, it, it's an amazing, amazing display. I love it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I... Could that you know? But I realize that there are also, and I'm sure that they're listening to the show. I'm sure I, I hear from them all the time. I get email from them that there are power users who use the Mac Mini in various ways. You know, either it, maybe it is their main computer, but they you know they have very sensible reasons why they want a Mac Mini. And then there's also the enthusiasts who use Mac Minis as little you know, like to make their own home entertainment system. You know, instead of getting an Apple TV, they use a Mac Mini, and they can run all sorts of stuff, and you know, yeah. play, play movies that have fallen off the bus, and and you know, the back of the truck, and stuff like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and so for it, them, I it's a shame because I think you know, making a Hackintosh to you know type thing to do that is never going to be as nice, especially because the Mac Mini, you just want like this small, silent computer. But I, yeah. I kind of feel like Apple just it. it there's no. There's no reason for Apple to really care too much about that. I'd love to see it updated, like just a even just like a small speed bump, but I don't know. Here's what Tim said: Some folks in the media have raised the question about whether we're committed to desktops. If there's any doubt about that with our teams, let me be very clear: we have great desktops in our roadmap. Nobody should worry about that. Right. I here's something about that. Now I've seen people that skepticism is a good thing. Right, it, it, I encourage it, I, and I think everybody should be uh, skeptical about anything that a, somebody who works at a company can say, including the CEO. Right, and of course, right. Tim Cook. It's in his interest to say good things about Apple. So, of course, you know, don't don't just assume that it's true. But I don't. One of the things about what he said is it. Again, it doesn't say anything about the Mac Pro, so it could mean that the future of the desktop Mac is iMacs, you know. And I could see them going that route and saying, "Hey, and at the high end, we've got this iMac, you know, the, call it the iMac Pro, you know, maybe it's all black instead of silver." And the iMac Pro comes with, you know, a faster set of of 
Intel chips than you could get previously and a pro professional uh, GPU. Um, uh, that's possible. I don't know how, you know, in the current form factor, if they could be cooled sufficiently. I don't know. But that's up to, you know, Apple comes up with clever ways to cool things. So I don't know. Um, right. I could see that being the story for pro users. And I know that it would be frustrating for people who don't want a built-in display. They just, you know, want, you know, standalone displays, et cetera, et cetera. But I could see that being the story. But there's no way. The thing about Tim Cook's statement is that there's – his credibility to his own employees matters, and if it's false, right? It, it, you know, like I've seen, I saw people on Twitter when I came in. Like, ah, Tim Cook's full of shit. Of course, he'd say that. If there are no desktops coming, it, it's not like people who worked at Apple are going to forget that Tim Cook said you have no, you know, literally said right. you have no reason to worry about that. Yeah, his but, credibility goes right down the toilet, right? But, like that's a then, permanent, that's a permanent do, mark against his credibility. How how do you how do you uh, uh, reconcile that with the fact that Steve would say things all the time and then turn around and do the opposite. You know, we're not going to have a smaller iPad. Uh, well, here, here's because, the iPad mini. <laughs> because this, the, well, but this was, the, uh, it, it was it, when Steve would say things that, and then t a year later, turn around and say the opposite. Uh, and it, it was never like you, you it was never a, a thing where you feel like you were burned. Yeah. Okay. So here's what here's a good example, right? That they come out with the the they call it the iPod Photos, right? Wasn't that the name of the product? It was the first iPod with a color display, right. and you could sync it to your iPhotos, and you'd get your photos on there. And then people immediately after the product was announced, they'd say, "Well, now that you have a color screen, why doesn't it play video?" And Steve Jobs said, nobody wants to watch video on a little two-inch screen. Now, why would they want to look at their photos on a two-inch screen but not watch video? I don't know. But that's what he said. Nobody wants to watch video on a two-inch screen. And then a year later, they came out with an iPod with the same size screen, and now it played videos. <laughs> right? But people, people aren't mad because now they have – they have if, if what you wanted was an iPod that plays videos – the fact that a year later he told a totally different story didn't make you mad. It made you happy because now you could buy an iPod that played videos. Yeah. The difference would be if Steve Jobs had say, said before it came out, uh, people are asking for an iPod that plays videos. Uh, we, let me assure you, we are working on it, and it's going to be awesome. And it's coming. It's in the pipeline, so don't worry about it. It's going to be great. You're going to be able to watch video right in your pocket, right from your pocket. And then it never shipped. Well, then that would make people angry. Right, that's what the case would be with the new desktops with with Tim Cook and his credibility. Uh, he, he he's uh, I, again. It's not like he does isn't capable of spin, but when he does, it's not. It's very very carefully worded, and and it, it's not bullshit. It's might be. It's definitely spin it sometimes, but it's not bullshit. Well, to be to be clear, I trust him. I, I don't believe that Tim would come out and say what he said if it wasn't true. Right. So, I agree. I, cause I, it's, and it even, even if it's not that you trust him personally, and I, I do. Uh, I do. But even if you just want to take your own personal opinions of him out, it just makes no sense for him to, to say what he said if it wasn't true. No, he can just do what they do most of the time and just let it roll. Right. You know, so uh, here's an example where I think Tim Cook spins and says thing something that I don't quite think is true. Is I think that his his dance on privacy and where Apple stands competitively with Google in particular, but other companies like Facebook, 
is to me a little self-serving in so far as that he his uh, he'll say that uh, other companies collect your personal data so that they can sell it. It's not really what Google does. They don't really sell your personal data. Uh, it's not what he says isn't really untrue. It's not false. It's not a blatant lie. But I think it's a very euphemistic spin on the state of affairs to cover up for Apple's the state of Apple's uh, uh, personalization in certain areas. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, just it's a sidetrack. Yeah. I just think that what he says about pri- and I do think Apple cares about your privacy, right? It's 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 all too. it's it's largely true. I think Apple does care about your privacy. I think Google cares about your privacy too, insofar as it's very important that Google's users and people who are the most embedded in their ecosystem trust the company with their information, right? It is in Google's very highest interest to keep the information they collect about you safe. But they, I, I think that's part of it, though, that Google collects so much information and Apple really collects none. They anonymize, you know, almost everything. So they don't want your information. They want, and, and you know, the old saying, um, if you didn't buy the product, you are the product. Right. So, well, uh, that, that, again, no, that's, I, I believe that. And I've used that. I, you know, you can find a bunch of posts on Daring Fireball where I've, I've used that. But I do think that it, sometimes when Tim Cook throws it out there, it's spin. And it's not, again, not false. It's not bullshit, but it is a decidedly and carefully worded way of saying things in Apple's favor that maybe isn't really the most objective way of saying it, period. I don't see that at all with his comments on the desktop, right? Like right, that's right. the only reason I'm going down this whole path on cook and privacy is that I think that you know is spin. I think with the desktop, there's no spin. It's it. it he looks like a fool if it, if it's not true. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I don't see that at all. I mean, they saw this Bloomberg story um, and knew that they had to respond in some way or they wanted to respond in some way. So I think it was very strong response. Yeah. Uh, I also, and I keep reiterating this, I think that the software schedule that Mac OS is on is, is proof the other way that Apple is as in, you know, very, very heavily invested in the Mac and cares about it because it, it, it's annual. It's like clockwork now, just like iOS, that there's going to be a significant feature update to Mac OS uh, every year. And it didn't used to be that way. You know, there, there it was like the early years of Mac OS, there were very frequent updates. You know, 10.1 came out like six months after 10.0 because 10.0 was effectively a public beta. They yes, just, they, they were just sick of calling it a beta. Yeah. Uh, and 10.2 and 10.3, I think even 10.4 came out really quickly because there were so many problems back then. It was j- and just so slow. It was the interface was slow. It was so. They were doing so much compared to what the hardware was capable of that they really had to work very hard to get it to. I think 10.4 was the first version. I think that was called Tiger. That was sort of like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. Um, and then it slowed down, right? And it, especially when the iPhone first came out, and they even one time even had to issue a press release that said, hey, we were going to release, you know, Mac OS 10. Point whatever it was at WWDC in June 2007, but we've had to pull so many engineers to work on the first I- release of iPhone's OS that it's going to be delayed till October. 
you know. Yeah. And then uh, you remember in the, the years following that, it was a crapshoot about what Apple was going to do at, at WDC. Was it going to be a Mac show or an iOS show? Um, and then finally, you know, a, a, a few years ago, they, I don't know if they have enough resources or, you know, it's, it's running parallel, but now it's both. You know, now when you go to, to WDC, it's both Mac and iOS because, you know, they're integrating and, and stuff like that. But for a while, it wasn't. It was yeah. one or the other. So anyway, long story short, I think that the Mac OS story shows that Apple's committed. I think that the way that – I think the touch bar as as a piece of hardware is a terrific example of Apple's uh, commitment to the Mac. I think the fact that the day the touch bar shipped, it Apple's own apps – Dozens and dozens of apps in the system had updates with very, very, you know, thorough touch bar support. Clearly, throughout the company, people, you know, who work on those apps, you know, text edit and mail, Safari, messages, just you name it, that the the engineers who work on those had had uh, spent a lot of time working on clever, thoughtful touch bar support. It shows that there's, you know, within Apple, there's a lot of commitment to the Mac. I think the question is specifically the Mac Pro. And I don't think that even if Apple is getting out of the Mac Pro game, it, I don't think it means that that the Mac overall, that people need to worry about it. I think people are losing their minds on this. Yeah, I agree. Although, if they are getting out of the Mac Pro game, it makes no sense to me that they're still selling these Macs, Mac Pros at the same price. That they should the way that if they were getting out of the Mac Pro game, the way that it would make sense to me would be if all right, we're not going to update them, but every nine months, twelve months or so, we'll keep lowering the prices until you know we decide you know two, three, whatever that we'll just take them away. Do you think they're selling any? I can't imagine that they're selling. Well, did any. you see there was a good? I had a link to Chris Adamson just bought one last week. Huh. Uh, I'll put it. Link in the show notes. Uh, it's sort of a sad story, really. Like where he obviously was waiting and waiting and waiting to update his old Mac Pro, and he does uh, uh, video work. Uh, and I, I, I know on ATP, Marco Arment, uh, who who stays much more abreast of like Intel's chips and what it, you know, what the names of the chip. I don't even pay attention to that shit anymore to tell yeah. you the truth because it's so boring. I, I did see an ours story where they reviewed the new KB Lake, whatever from Intel. And, and the gist of the R summary was, uh, it's pretty much like the last one, just, uh, just ever so slightly faster. <laughs> I mean, and so it's like, why even bother paying attention? It's, it's, it's not that interesting, but, um, uh, the gist of it is he bought it. I think maybe he might have been better off with an iMac, and that's what Marco thinks too, but he didn't. Um, he bought the Mac Pro, I guess because what he does is uh, it requires a lot of cores, and he does, a, you know, the video processing he does can be parallelized. But he didn't even buy like the eight or 12 core one, he bought the six core one. So he didn't even get the most cores. Uh, but anyway, long story short, it's spoiler. He spent a lot of money on a new Mac Pro because he needed it, and he thinks it was the best thing to do. And he's you know eyes wide open about how old this is and how much money right. it costs. And then he sold all of his Apple stock, and he apparently had a very very you know significant investment in Apple stock and sold it because he's so uh, not like angry, not like um uh, you know like he thinks he's sticking it to Apple by selling his stock. It obviously doesn't hurt Apple if you one individual sells. Apple stock because somebody else bought it. Um, it. It more though that he 
you know, I think his argument was, I bought it way back when, and he apparently bought it, you know, in the dark days when you could really get a, a you know, the stock was way down compared to where it is now. Uh, bought it because he believed in the company and thought that the market was undervaluing Apple. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, he was right. And anybody else who did buy stock, you know, like in the late 90s, or early 2000s, thinking, hey, this company has a bright future. And I don't think the market sees that you were right. And that he just doesn't see it anymore, because he doesn't, he doesn't get Apple anymore. And I definitely just, you know, on Twitter, there's an awful lot of people. And I think that they're drawing a connection that the people who are most disappointed in Apple today are the longest term oldest users, the right. ones who got into it, a company in the 90s, or even the 80s. I think that a lot of that <clears throat> comes down to loyalty. We we have loyalty to uh, Apple because we believe that they make great products. I mean, I, I'm not blind to Apple's failings, and I'll bring them up, you know, all day long. But I'm not going to make up bad things either. Right. You know, ap Apple Music, I think, needs a lot of work. I know that they're <laughs> I know that they're working on it and I praise them when they do good things but I also hit them when they do bad things um and it, it's the same with with all of their products and I I as long as you're fair I think that's that's a good thing but the difference with the new Apple customers is that in 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 my mind, they're general consumers. So if something new and cool comes out, they'll go buy that, whether it's Apple or whatever. All right. So th there's not that level of loyalty. Yeah. Before we, we move off the topic of Mac Pros, um, I do. I, I want to circle back to that thing I, I, I touched on with Xcode, where that's you know you don't don't rest your hat on Xcode because there's all sorts of professional things that are better on the Mac. Than, than iOS, right? And I think that you will sooner rather than later be able to develop apps on an iPad. I mean, I think that the Swift Playgrounds is just the first step. I don't, I'm not saying it's coming this year, but I think that, uh, and whether they'll call it Xcode or not when it comes out for iPad, I don't know. Because I think, I, I don't think it would be, Xcode as we know it is inextricably, tied to the Mac UI paradigm. It's it's got all sorts of little tiny things that, you know, don't correlate to touch or iOS. So I think maybe the way that you develop apps would be very different from or significantly different from the way you do it now. Um so whether they call it Xcode or not, but I think that the ability to develop apps on an iPad is inevitable. And it doesn't I, the fear I have is that they'll announce this, like, hey, we have this great new Xcode for iPad, and look, it's so much easier to make, it's easier than ever to make an app, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then people are going to go, that's it, that Mac is doomed, because right. now there's Xcode on iPad. And I, I, that's the wrong way to look at it. It's just that there's so many professional things, whether it's like high end, the highest end 4K video editing and, uh, or, or, pro photographers who go on a shoot and shoot 1500 or 2000 photos and need to sort through them and find the pics, uh, all sorts of advanced things like that are so much better or, or can be so much better on a Mac. And there's, and don't, and the other thing too, is don't forget that Apple 
itself is a company full of creative people, not just developers. It's not just Apple's engineers who use Xcode who need Macs, but Apple is a company full of people who use Photoshop and InDesign and you know provide, just produce all their marketing materials and stuff. So they're fully well aware of how creative professionals rely on the Mac. You you have to at that point look at um, aperture gone. Yeah, um, you know uh, Final Cut Pro, not gone, but well, I think they're still invested of, in that. I, I it is a, you know a lot of people say it's not as pro as what it once was. Right. Um, you know, Logic is still here, but you don't often hear from them anymore. Yeah, it's curious. Aperture is definitely a curious, a curious, uh, yeah. you know, why. And I know that, you know, Lightroom exists, and I personally preferred Lightroom, but that was because way back in the day, like when they were both 1.0s, Lightroom was fast and Aperture was slow. Uh, and I know that they fixed that with Aperture, and Aperture eventually got fast too. Um, and I, I definitely hear, I see it, you know, I get so much email, uh, you know, I, I have, it's, it's great, and I really welcome it. It helps me kind of keep my, my finger on the pulse of the people who, who listen to the show and read my site. Um, I know that there are a lot of serious either photo pros or serious photo. What do you prosumers? You know, maybe that's not their profession, but they they have serious professional cameras and they take it very seriously. Who are still furious about the decision to 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 walk away from Aperture because the, and and fully informed and have tried their best to like Lightroom, don't like Lightroom and yeah. like the aperture way that it was, you know, you know, and I do say I liked Lightroom, but I definitely could see how aperture was a more Apple-y program. It just had, you know, because it was Apple, but it just had like a certain Apple Apple-iness and a Mac-ness to it. With, with some of these things that have happened over the past number of years, it's easy to see how people are, uh, they have the the thought or can be easily convinced that Apple is getting out of the the pro market all markets whether that's computers or uh you know software or anything else because once you've been hit by this i mean if you're a photographer and aperture is dead then you know you're thinking wait a minute it's been a thousand days now since the mac pro's been updated i mean it's it's easy to to lead yourself down that that path that Okay, Apple's out of the pro market. Right. And, well, but the I, most important thing has always been not for Apple to make the pro apps that you use, but to make the system where pro apps can really fly and have all of the APIs and capabilities and the performance that pro apps need, whether they're made by Adobe or other companies, you know, uh, independent companies like uh, Pixelmator and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, let me take a break and thank our next sponsor. It's our good friend Harry's. Who better with a Jim Dalrymple, who literally goes by the nickname The Beard, than a razor blade company to sponsor the show? <laughs> uh, big blade. Harry, here's Harry. You guys know Harry's. I'm gonna. You, they make their own razor blades. They have their own factory in Germany. I, 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 there was a link. I'm going to try to find this. There's a link I had to somebody went to their razor blade factory and took pictures of it, and it's amazing. I love factories. It, it's, they. Sometimes like a big place like that. How do you make stuff like that? They make their own. Uh, unlike the other guys with the 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 Gillettes and those guys, they come out with new blades every couple of years, new new things, and they keep raising the prices. Right? They'll come out with a new thing and it's a better way to shave, but then they raise the price. Well, Harry's 
has upgraded their stuff. They've come out with new design. Um, uh, they, they've added a little trimmer blade, so it's like easy to reach like the little place under your nose where it's like hard to get with the full-size blade. They've added a better lubricating strip, a softer flex hinge for a more comfortable glide. They it just improved their blades in a whole bunch of ways. And guess what? They kept the prices exactly the same. Instead of raising the price and keeping the old ones and having a new model line, all they did was improve it and they kept the prices the same. It's still just two bucks per blade compared to the four dollars or more that you will pay uh, for the big name brands. And I'm talking, I, I've done this. I've done it a couple times. You go to Amazon and compare like the competitive price for like a, a Gillette or Schick or whoever else you want. It was really, it's about twice the price of Harry's blades because they own their own factory and sell their stuff direct to you. Here's I use how Harry's. confident they are. Yeah. Here's how confident they are. They're so confident in the quality of their blades that they will send you their popular free trial set, which comes with the Razor 5 blade cartridge and shaving gel, free when you sign up for a shave plan. You just pay shipping. Shave plan means you you sign up and you get this kit free, and then they'll just send you replacement blades. You tell them like how often you you think you need them, you know, and then they just show up, and it's you don't have to do anything. You don't even have to remember to order new stuff. Uh, they also have a special offer for fans of this show. It's a special talk show only offer. You'll get a bottle of Harry's post-shave balm added to your order for free when you visit harrys.com and use the code TALKSHOW at checkout. Get their post-shave balm free. Go to harrys.com. Remember that code, TALKSHOW. Know the Just Talk Show at checkout, and uh, you'll get your free stuff. My thanks to them. Great, great products. Great company. Uh, my thanks for their continuing support of the show. It's funny, the the two sponsors that you've had so far are two things that I already use. Uh, yeah, what do you use Harry's for? You like shave underneath the beard, like the neck area or something like that? No, no, I leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, just, just on the sides, the by cheeks. the side. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, get the, you know, I, I don't want to be a, a total homeless guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, anyway, what do you think? Let's just let's flash forward a little bit. Here we are talking first week of January. Uh do you think that Apple's going to have a March event? They've had March events now for a couple, uh, couple of years. Well, the March event would be what? A watch or iPad? I don't think watch. I think it would be iPad and maybe like iMac. Or wouldn't it be neat if they surprised us and had Mac Pro? That would be neat. I think the iPads are due because they did the original iPad Pro, the big 12.9-inch one, in September last year to 2015 so yeah. that's pro that product is now uh over a year old and then the the mini mac uh, ipad pro did i say mac pro i meant ipad pro yeah the 12.9 inch ipad pro the 9.7 inch ipad pro is was released like five months later in march of last year so that'll be a year old in march and i think both of those products you know it, it you know would be easy easy upgrades with the uh, the the A10 system on a chip from the iPhone seven. Yeah, I, I I guess if there are, they seem to be all over the place with the release schedule of of these things, but it makes sense that they would have something around March. But I I think it it it'll have a lot to do with what they have on tap for uh, WDC yeah. because it would make more sense to release um, Max at WDC. But if they don't have any Max, maybe they'll release iPads instead. Yeah. I don't know that they care about holding hardware for WWDC. 
they have because you know they it's always there's always plenty of software to talk about right that, yeah but they're not gonna have they always like to have something and they're not gonna uh, have their, uh, an event for a mac no, no, I don't think so. But if they could right. do it combination with the iPad and make right. it all about work, you know, because the iPad Pro yeah. is for work and Mac is for work. I, I March time frame makes perfect sense to me. Um, if not, then WDC. Yeah, because the other thing too, the the big iPad Pro is you know lacking the um, True Tone display, right. Uh, yeah. there's a couple of things, you know, it's, it, 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 even if they, you know, who knows, maybe they'll come up with, they'll have surprising new things to announce, but even just the obvious things, it seems like it's due for an update. I, I love true tone. I wish true tone was on my phone. I, that's the one thing I I've said this before. I, I, and Schiller even said it when he announced it last year, that once you get used to it, you can't go back. And it made me think it was coming to the phone because yeah. I didn't think Schiller would say that if he didn't know it wasn't coming to the phone and then it didn't come to the phone. And it really, well, it's the one thing that annoys me about using my iPad is, uh, I have the 9.7 inch pro and it annoys me because then it's after I've like read email on it or used it for, you know, like, uh, 45 minutes i go and look at my phone and if it's like nighttime it looks terrible <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i want true tone on everything it looks you it know, makes it makes your phone look terrible yeah it's just so good yeah because you don't Maybe, see it you just don't notice you don't know it's it's a totally it, it it plays with your head it's like yeah you realize there's i know that they're shifting the colors and i'm so sensitive to that like every time i see somebody who uses night mode on their phone or whatever it's called the thing that yeah. makes your phone yellow, I can't believe it. I I believe I know there's lots of people who love that feature, uh, but it it sickens me because it just looks like the phone is you know covered in urine or something. Well, it's supposed to put you to sleep or something, or yeah. or, or make you not so awake. So uh, I don't know. So anyway, I I think there'll be a March event, but there's no rumors to such as such. No, it's, and I don't know if that's sort of in some ways. I, I really do think that if you take a step back and look, I do think that, you know, remember a couple of years ago when Tim Cook said they're doubling down on secrecy? Yeah. I think in some ways they have. I think that in some ways Apple has gotten better at keeping some things secret. Uh, and that the only place where leaks come out of anymore is the supply chain. And it's sort of outside Apple's control. Yeah, but then look at some of the stories that German does. And those aren't coming out of the supply chains, you know, like that Mac one. Yeah, but that I, I have to I have to publish my. I have a, in the works. I, I think I even told Renee about it, and I, Renee and I talked back in 2016, <laughs> my last episode. I've got a response to that, and I it's just taken a long time because it's uh, I don't know why, but because I want to be careful. Um, but I I really think that the the more you look at that story from German the less there is to it other than the things that we know, which are the obvious that the iMac didn't get updated in 2016. The Mac pro hasn't been updated in three years. The Mac mini hasn't been updated in three years and the MacBook pros were long in the tooth when they were just updated. But I also mm. actually think the more you look at, it, there's nothing in this story. There's nothing else in his story. There's nothing factual. Like, and he says some things that are ridiculous. Like uh, he has this story about how they, they had two versions of, I forget which product, but there were two versions in development. Uh, I think of the, the, the original, the MacBook, the thin, super thin MacBook, two versions in development. And then they decided to go with this one. And it somehow presented as, as like, 
a sign of indecision, executive indecision at Apple and a lack of leadership on the Mac that they did two designs and then choose one. That, that's not, that's how Apple works. I, I, I honestly, it, it's like, I've, I, I've never heard of a product at Apple that didn't have multiple versions. In fact, the fact that there were only two is the most surprising part of it. Usually they do more. And on the yeah. software side, they do like 10. Like everything, every new product at Apple usually has like 10 mock-ups of how the interface should look. And right. the designers are, it's not like do one that's the real one. And then as busy work, make nine, you know, in, inconsequential uh changes knowing that you go to the meeting and they're going to pick the one uh like if you show up like that you're on your way to get fired at apple like you're yeah, expected right. to have 10 mock-ups all of them might be the one that is all right choose number eight but give us 10 more based on number eight for next week go uh that's how apple works they do of course they have a plan b hardware you know and with the macbook according to german's story they went with the one that was the more radical design it's it's a sign that Apple is you know pedal to the metal on being aggressive about what they can do engineering wise with the Mac as opposed to being lazy. Yeah, they're not they're not afraid to you know to go off on a you know left field somewhere right. uh, with any of their products. And and another point that German had in his story on Bloomberg was something to the effect of that there was something with the batteries in the new Mac Pros that they uh, were going to go with a. I, I, I this is an interesting thing if it's if it's true because according to Garmin they were gonna they tried to have like a a bunch of smaller batteries that fill up more of the space in the device and failed some kind of test so they had to go with a more traditional single rectangular battery that you know I, I don't think it would have it, 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 it the incremental improvement of having like a a sort of stair step battery design that fills more of the crevices isn't going to like radically double the battery life. That's just, you know, that's like a way to get like five to 10% more battery life out of a device. Yeah. But it's interesting that if it's true that they, that they couldn't pull that off for the MacBook pro because that's the actual design that they showed. That's what they're doing with the MacBooks. They remember that the, the part of the like product video for the MacBooks. um, uh, I think it was like Dan Ricci that you know was describing how they do that. Um, but anyway, the gist of German's story with this battery thing was that they went with this simpler battery that maybe you know I, I presumably German didn't have numbers, but I would guess maybe gets like ten percent less battery life than the other design. They went with it so that they could ship it now because otherwise, if they if they had waited until they could pull the other design off here we would be in January, 2017 and we still wouldn't have new MacBook pros. And then this yeah. whole discussion that we're having about the languishing hardware, we'd also be talking about the, well, the MacBook pro hasn't been updated in three years or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you can't have it both ways. They have to ship eventually. And there's always room for improvement. And if there's no always. room for improvement, then who cares that, right. Then it's fine. If it's, if there's no way, you know, if they've, if they've, Develop the perfect MacBook Pro that never needs an update. Then what are we talking about? Uh, right? It did, yeah. you know. So anyway, I, I I I don't get it. I don't either. Uh, what else? I I lost my train of thought. Where are we going? <laughs> 2017. What's happening? Oh, with the rumors. Uh, we were talking about uh, the uh, Tim Cook and. Uh, doubling down on secrecy. And if they have yep. a March event coming, nobody knows because they've kept their mouth shut. I don't yep. know. 
And, and it could it could be. I don't know. Maybe there's rumors of updated iPads that I just haven't seen, but I, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them. But I think they're due. And it would be a good time to release new iMacs, I think. I, I we, uh, we, we kind of set the, the expectations, though, don't we? When we say, well, it's been a year. It's time. They need to update. Yeah, maybe well, they, maybe they don't. Yeah, I think they do eventually. I you know I I think the iPad is still it, there's too much to be gained. The A10 is just so much better than the A9. A9 is great, and the current iPad Pros are great. But it's like one of the most amazing stories in technology the last few years is the the A series processors that Apple's t- turning yeah. out. It's it's like a return to you know the early years of the PC industry where every year you're getting these incredible Moore's law like I mean they keep showing the graphs at the iPhone events of the CPU and GPU performance year over year and it's it's like a hockey stick curve you know it's it's getting more and more amazing whereas you would think it would be more incremental because that's what it's like on the desktop size right you know that the new MacBook Pros performance wise they're not nobody's bragging about how much faster the new MacBook Pros are than the previous ones cuz being faster is no longer really that's not really where PCs are improving but they could get they could they could do that for sure with the iPad just by going from the A9 to the A10. And how important is speed on an iPad Pro in comparison to say usability? I mean there there you're talking more um the UI and UX well, as opposed to the actual speed of the device itself. I don't know, you could say the same thing about the phone too though, right? I don't yeah. know. I think that it is important. I don't. I think just in terms of, in some ways, I think just in terms of, uh, it, it improves battery life, right? Like that, the faster the CPU can be done doing anything, the less the CPU is using the battery. I, I think it's a big part of it. I guess there are rumors. I did see rumors. Uh, I do remember this before. You know, just to show that I'm not totally out of touch of iPad rumors that there's rumors from the supply chain that there's going to be a third iPad size. Have you seen that? No, it's, it's like in between 9.7. It's like an 11 inch iPad. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. That seems weird. I don't see why it doesn't make any sense to me that, uh, that they would make an iPad in between those two sizes, but we we shall see. I don't get that. I think if it's true, it would probably be something to the effect of that the nine, you know, that the older screen sizes are being moved down the product line to the mid range, and that the new size is the new like top of the line iPad. Here, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link right here. Apple planning thicker, bezel-free, ten point nine inch iPad Pro with nine point seven inch footprint and no home button. So, in other words, the idea would be, it would be like uh, physically the device would be the size of the current 9.7 inch iPad pro, but the display would be bigger because they're going to get rid of the, the bezels surrounding it. Huh? Let me take a break since this is, seems like a break in the action here and thank our third and final sponsor, longtime friend of the show, Squarespace, this uh, Squarespace enter the code talk show at checkout at squarespace.com. Guess what? You'll save 10% on anything. So you could buy like a whole year of service, save 10% talk show. That's the code. Uh, Look, it's a new year. Maybe you've got a new project coming up. Needs a website. 
make it at Squarespace, right? Sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level, no coding required. They have an intuitive, easy-to-use tools to set your template, to drag, to customize the template, to drag stuff around, drag-and-drop interface to design your own website. Uh, no coding required. But if you want to code, if you're a nerd, and there's a very high chance of that, if you're listening to a show like this, guess what? You can dig right in and, and put your own JavaScript in, update the template, do whatever you want. Uh, what a great service. If you need a website, you should go to squarespace.com. Uh, you get a free domain for if you sign up for a year or more. Uh, domain name registration, custom templates, professional design, very solid hosting in terms of like, can hey, what if uh, uh, what if Daring Fireball links to your site at Squarespace is going to stay up? Yes, it's going to stay up. It's great, great service. Uh, just remember that code, talk show, and you get 10% off your first purchase. That's it, Squarespace. Great guys. Agreed. Uh, let me see what else I have here in my notes. How about uh, the Apple, New York Times, and China? News came out two days ago that uh, Apple has pulled the New York Times apps from the App Store in mainland in the People's Republic of China. Um, and I wrote about it, and I got you know I got a whole bunch of shit, but. Uh, <laughs> well. My take is that their headline is Apple removes New York Times apps from its store in China. That's what the New York Times said. I think a more accurate headline would be something along with China compels Apple to remove New York Times apps from its store in China. Because it doesn't sound to me like Apple had any choice. I mean, other than to actually get in a uh, pissing match with the People's Republic of China, which would surely result in them pulling the plug on the app store, right? I right, mean, it's, right. China, I, I don't understand the people who think you have a choice. I mean, this is the problem with the th- authoritarian regimes in, in a place like China where they have no freedom of the press or anything like that. It's not like here. It's not like, you know, and they're like, well, the Apple is willing to fight the FBI on unlocking an iPhone. Why? It's different. Right. You, you, you can fight the FBI here because it's a free country and you can go to court and, and, and argue with the FBI in court. There's, you can't go to court with the people's Republic of China and fight to keep the New York times app in the store. When China comes to you and says, you've got to take this out of the store, you've got to take it out of the store. Yeah, it's done. So I don't understand what people want Apple to do other than pull out of China, which I don't think, you know, know, if you want to be, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, It certainly wouldn't make any business sense to do it. But if you think that in a moral regard, Apple should simply stop doing business in China, I mean, that's a reasonable take and I can listen to the argument, but it's it's, Tim Cook's not going to do it. I don't no. understand what you what the argument is that Apple could still have an app store in China and sell their products in China and not co- comply with the Chinese government when they say you've got to remove the New York Times apps from the app store. Is it is it unfortunate that they have that much control over over Apple? Yeah. Of course, and, right, and over of over a billion people, yeah, it would be. Yeah. Wouldn't it be one of the greatest things that could happen in the world? Would be for the Chinese government to open up and support things similar to the, our Bill of Rights, and uh, yeah. that would be great. But it's you know that's not the way the world is. No, so Apple is in a very tough position. They, like you said, there was no choice, right? And I think Apple knows that it looks bad. I don't think Apple is like, okay, okay, we'll do whatever you want, you know. It's yeah. and they don't care. It's not, you know, I think Apple cares deeply about it and wishes, you know, 
that the Chinese government didn't do this. But the other thing that's interesting to me, and I think it's sort of downplayed in most of the stories about it, is that the New York Times website has been blocked in China since 2012. Yeah. So the existence of the New York Times apps, you know, and obviously probably most people, surely most people in China don't have iPhones because they're so expensive. Uh, and, you know, the average uh, income in China is very low, but it's, you know, it's obviously a big part of Apple's market. They're selling more and more of them, more and more of their products in China every year. And for the people who can't afford it, the app store gave them access to the New York times that they couldn't get through the internet or through the web. I yeah. shouldn't say internet since obviously it's coming down through the internet. Well, Didn't well, when all this FBI stuff was going on, didn't Apple say that China wanted a version of their operating system as well? And Apple said no. I think so. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised if I, they if they I, asked for that. I mean, because I, I think that's the sort of thing that. that Apple really would, if push came to shove, would get out of China over. They, you right. know, if China said you have to give us the source code to iOS or or we won't allow you to sell your iPhones in China. I think Apple would, I really do think that Apple would say, all right, we can't sell iPhones in China and we'll take the hit on sales. We'll take the hit on the stock, but there's no way that they're going to give up the source code to iOS to right. anybody, let alone a, a, the Chinese government. So, uh, you know, Apple will make a stand, but, um, you know, that's, that would be a stand on their own software, right. not an app. Right. So, I, I, they didn't have a choice. It sucks. It's terrible. I, I feel bad for them, but you know, I feel worse for the people in China. I mean, it's that the the problem is the Chinese government, not Apple. Right. Right. I and probably just got the talk show banned. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, you're you're done. You've been banned at Apple too. So yeah. done. Derek Farval is now banned in China. I wonder if it's banned. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, what else? I've got this on my list, and I know you're you you're still wearing your Apple Watch, right? I am because you you know have written extensively that you you, you the fitness features on Apple Watch. Long story short, have led you to you lost a lot of weight and you're you know exercising a lot more regularly. Uh, it's you know it's it's like right out of an Apple commercial. <laughs> Except I don't think they're going to put someone who looks like you in an Apple commercial. I don't think so. Um, they should because I, I'm I'm really pretty. So, <laughs> Apple know. sent me. I, I'm wearing it right now. They sent me the Nike Plus Apple Watch. Uh, oh yeah, I think it's. I, I honest to God, I think it's the best Apple Watch. Because they, uh, they, when the new Apple Watches first came out, I the review unit I had was the regular stainless steel one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that the aluminum one is better. Honest to God, I really do. I, I've I've always suspected this, and I really you know I. I just like it better. It feels to me like the digital crown spins better. Uh, I think the Taptic engine feels slightly better. I think that the steel is harder for the Taptics to get through than the aluminum. I don't think it's a huge difference, but I think it's a subtle difference. Uh, I think it's a, I, I, it's a great, great product. Um, the rumor that came out last week, I linked to this, was that one rumor came out about this, the next Apple Watch, which was that the, the company that's manufacturing it is saying that they're their primary mission from Apple is to increase significantly increase battery life. Um, I don't have a problem with battery life. I well, here's I, I have a few thoughts on that. Um, I think the series 
to watch gets so much better at battery life than the series one it's un uh, i i think i uh, in my review of it i think i missed just how much better it is and i don't know if it's because watch os 3.1 made it better because it seems like watch os 3.1 was a tremendous bug fix release for what was already a great release watch os watch three point watch os 3.0 was a great release feature wise and interface wise but 3.1 seems to have really fixed like a lot of like little things like every once in a while do you ever have like when your apple watch it's right there next to your iphone but it says it doesn't see your iphone you get that little red you know the little red i don't see the iphone and yeah. then like a minute later it goes away and it's fine i never see that anymore like no, just little more. things like that like like being connected to what you think it's connected to or or the the way this the way that it unlocks your imac now it never like doesn't see it it's always there um i I don't know. I just think that the battery life I'm getting on this is tremendous. I, I'm getting at least two days of battery life, sometimes even more, like where I can wear the watch to sleep and wake up in the morning and it's still like after starting the day before at 100% charge, it's still at like 60%. See, I, I just, I'm in the habit of, I, I wear my watch all day long, never take it off. I When I go to bed, I put it in the, I have one of those little um, uh, stand chargers you know from yeah. apple where yeah. the thing pops up from the middle yeah. i put it on there as soon as i get up in the morning i put it on my wrist and i go so my habit is to just leave it uh charging all night and put it on in the day and it never runs out on me so and i use it a lot i i actually use the apple watch a lot so you know it's not that it's just sitting right. uh, idle all day long uh i'm doing the the fitness stuff on it, I I always check my my messages on it. You know when alerts come in and things, just to see what's going on. Um, so I, I yeah, I use it. Uh, here's the report. This is from uh, Chinese language economic daily news. Claimed that the next iteration of the wearable device will be manufactured by Taiwan-based Quanta, which is already the company that's making the first and second generation watches for Apple. So it's not like they're changing. And that citing market watchers and knowledge of Qantas plans, the paper said improving battery life is the manufacturer's, quote, main task. Uh, but beside general performance improvements, the device's other hardware would not see much change. That's the report. Um, here's one thing I wrote, is that I, I would love to see an always-on display. I, I It bothers hmm. me, uh, always has as a longtime watch wearer, that... Uh, Sometimes I look at the watch and instead of seeing the time, I see the it's just black. But I will add, as somebody who's annoyed by that and still wears non-Apple watches uh, occasionally, um, not even occasionally, but like when I, you know, I, I like my mechanical watches. Um, I, I think that the wrist detection has gotten better than ever. I think that they've continued to. I think it's always been pretty good, but I think it's gotten even better. Where there are fewer and fewer times where if I look at the watch, the face isn't on. But I'd still like to see an always-on display. Uh, that would take more power, and possibly a different display technology to prevent burn-in. Uh, that was my idea for why they, you know, other than uh, like, don't think about it as going between charges. Think about like what could the watch do with the same charge it every day or charge it every other day span. But what could it do with more battery life? The other things, and I, I didn't even think of these, but it's obvious. Uh, 
people chimed in on Twitter. What if they added LTE networking and or GPS? Well, I think the watch is eventually going to get, I don't know. See, the thing about LTE is that you've got to pay, right? It's like, there's no way, even like, look at the iPads. What's it cost? Like 25 bucks a month to get, what's the cheapest plan you can get with, with an iPad? Yeah. Well, you, you get a, a rolling plan, isn't it? That yeah. isn't that the cheapest? Where it's you know you pay five dollars, but then yeah. you add data and stuff like that. So. so if they add LTE, I mean, obviously in terms of feature, it'd be great in some ways where you could just go out with a watch and you could still get text messages and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, that'd be a tremendous feature, but uh, you know, I don't know if that's a top priority just I because you have to so. pay for it. Yeah, I don't think that's a priority for me. GPS could be though, because they have, they've really, I feel like one of the things that they really figured out in between the original and this, the, the, the series two hardware and watch OS three is that the fitness stuff is, it was always one of the tentpole features, but I think that they've really figured out that this is why people buy the watches, right? Yeah. Uh, people want notifications and people want the fitness tracking and the fitness tracking GPS is a huge reason. That's a huge, huge reason why people, it's probably the only reason why people would still buy like stuff from Garmin. Right. I mean, if it's not for GPS, I don't know why you would buy that. So in terms of just the competitive landscape, what are the reasons somebody would buy something other than if they're going to put something on their wrist for fitness, right? Just, I'm going to get a gadget. It's going to go on my wrist. It's, going to help me track my fitness. What are the reasons you would not, you'd buy something other than Apple watch GPS is one of them. Hmm. But on the other hand, you know, do you look at the ones with Garmin that are GPS? They're, they're big. <laughs> they're very yeah. large. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how important that is to me though. It may not be yeah. important to you. I don't think it would be important to me at all. Cause I don't go anywhere. Uh, you know, and I, <laughs> I do jog, but I jog the same path every day. So I don't need to see, I don't, I don't need, you know, I don't need to see a map of where I go. Like it's, I, I, I'm boring. I just know exactly the path that I take. I can tell you exactly. You know, you can look at my watch and see the runs, and I can tell you exactly where, where I went because I just take the same path. Uh, but for some people, it's huge. I know some. I have a, you know some friends who who uh, uh, are serious about their bicycling, and GPS is fundamental to their their workouts you know that they, they go they want to know exactly the trail they took on a uh on a bike ride well the, the apple watch the series 2 does have gps tracking in it not on its own though right does it yeah on its own it does yeah it, i didn't know it had gps are you serious yeah no it goes through the phone right no 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 you don't need the phone anymore really yeah well then I didn't know that, or at least for, I didn't remember for, it. For, for tracking, so that you can, it will track where you walk, and it's it makes it better, um, um, you know, you've walked the speed and all that kind of stuff. Huh. Well, how about that? I, I, I didn't know that. I don't know if it'll do, like, maps and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. I don't think, I don't think, you, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, it, it always but knows it, where you are. It's a GPS tracking. So if I go out to do a workout and I I start a workout, it knows where I am as I'm walking around. Huh. And and when I get home and it syncs to my phone, it actually puts a little map 
in in the activity yeah. app. I'm looking at the where, website, built-in yeah, GPS. Well, of it, where I went. This is a real test for me, Jim. Do I let this stand where I talked for two minutes about how the watch could add GPS, or do I edit it out? No, cut it out. <laughs> I think we should let it stand. All right, let it stand. I, I think care. we should let it stand, and people can know that I'm I'm a podcaster with integrity. Yeah. <laughs> built-in GPS. I forgot. I either didn't know it, wasn't paying attention, or completely forgot that the watch already has built-in GPS. So LTE would obviously be the addition. Don't tell me it already has LTE. GPS. No, it does not. See, I, I think in order to do, maybe maybe in order to do the type of GPS that you're talking about, um, it would need LTE. Right? No, uh, I don't think so. I'm talking about. I think it's got. It must already have what I'm. What I was talking about. Okay. Um. So I. So the 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 thing that that I did with my watch when I got the series two, uh, I would always take my phone with me, and then it would have my my watch would have GPS. But with Apple uh, Watch Series two, I didn't need to take the phone with me anymore, and I had the wireless headphones. I put a music list on my watch so I could listen to music wirelessly from my watch and have it track where I was walking. And when I get back, it would sync with my phone and everything would be there. Yeah. So that part is, is kind of cool. The single thing that they could do for Apple watch that would make me happier would be to make it easier to easier to put music on, on the watch and like not make me have to do it in advance and to make it easier specifically for third-party developers to, to load content on the watch. Cause what I want mm. in particular is I want, uh, I use over Marco's uh, Marco Armand's overcast to listen to podcasts and right. most of what I do. And always when I go for a jog, always, almost always, I listen to podcasts. Uh, I would love to do it and be able to leave my phone at home and not have to jump through like 10 minutes of hoops of syncing this to that. Just have it, just trust that automatically the watch already has like, you know, the two most recent episodes of all the podcasts I subscribe to already on it. So I can just go out with AirPods and the watch and just play podcasts. I would love that. That would be good. Because going with the phone, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's no good, there's no good place to put a phone if you're going out for a run. It's just, no. There's, and I, I usually jog in my Speedos, so that makes yeah. it even more difficult. You know? <laughs> 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 there now, I've been banned in China. <laughs> Anything else that you want to talk about? Anything else in the news that's on your mind, Jim? No, no, it's been a pretty good, uh, a pretty good end of year. I think it was pretty calm except for the Mac stuff. Um, you know, I, well, what about, what about this new, uh, the iPhone rumors about, you know, edge to edge glass? What do you think about that? It, the, the rumors don't make any sense to me. I've heard that they're working on an edge to edge iPhone. I heard that a while ago. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's, I think no surprise. I think it, you know, there's a lot, of, it makes a lot of sense. I think the fact that they've gotten rid of the physical home button it makes logical sense that they're moving in that direction, that that could be one reason that they did that. Um, uh, Side note, by the way, the other day my iPhone ran out before the end of the day of battery for the first time. I think it might be the first time that happened to me since I've had the iPhone seven. I don't know what I, I guess I was using it all day Uh, and it ran out and it didn't run out while I was using it. It was like, on my desk and I was like ready to call it a night. 
uh, I was doing something on my computer really late at night, and I picked it up and I went to press the home button and it didn't move because it was dead and it felt gross. It was almost like I wanted to drop it, like I, you know, like <laughs> like I picked up a dead mouse or something. <laughs> it felt it was because I expected it to turn on. I had no reason to think that the battery was dead, and the fact that the button didn't move. It didn't just feel wrong. It felt gross. Anyway, uh, so anyway, I could see them moving to an edge-to-edge design, but the specific rumors don't make any sense to me because the specific rumors are that they've got new phones in, in development at the current sizes, 4.7 and 5.5-inch displays, yeah, and a new one that's 5.8 inches diagonally. And it makes no sense to me that they would come out with all of those. Like, I could see that they would come out with a phone with a 5.8-inch diagonal display in a bezel-less case or a much smaller bezel case so that the physical device isn't much bigger, right? Like, and some people have, you know, with rulers, you can figure out that that if they really do get rid of the forehead and chin bezels, that a 5.8-inch display wouldn't really even be a plus-sized phone. It would be slightly bigger than the regular iPhone 7. It would be a little bit wider, but mostly the same height. So in terms of overall size, it might be very similar. That that going from 4.7 to 5.8 really is just the diagonal of those bezels. So I could see that. But I don't see why in the world would they come out with new phones with the old sizes. It doesn't make any sense to me that they'd come out with all of them. So the only way that the rumors make any sense to me is if this involves Apple still being in a plan A, plan B scenario, where plan A would be to go with this radical new edge-to-edge design and plan b would be if we feel like when it, when when it gets to the point where we have to say go and put this stuff into production if we're not if we don't think we're ready to make a september ship date we're going to have to go with plan b which is to keep the same sizes and come out with just the 7s and 7s plus next year but i don't see why they would do both there's it doesn't make any sense to me that they would come out with for lack of a better word let's just call it the iphone 8 with a radical edge-to-edge design, come out with that and come out with a 7S Plus, it doesn't make any sense. Or 7S, yeah. you know, 7S and 7S Plus. It doesn't make any sense. That's an awful big gamble, though. It's a huge gamble. Uh, but that's the only way it makes sense to me. I don't see how they, why they would come out with a third size. I think if they come out with a new edge-to-edge display that this, this year, then the 7 and 7 Plus be, just stay as exactly as they are and move to the middle price points. I don't see why they would come out with new phones that are of a radical design and come out with new phones that have a same as last year design. Who'd buy the, who'd buy those? Nobody. Right. Well, I mean, you're always going to have the people that, that will complain about, you know, edge to edge. I've talked about this with a bunch of people on Twitter too. And people say, well, maybe this new edge to edge one, they won't be able to make it in huge quantities. Uh, so, you know, that's why they would do the 7S and 7S Ooh, Plus too. That's because, not good. Well, yeah, why would they – if they can't do it in sufficient quantities, why release it? Yeah. I, I, that would be like the most un-Apple-like thing I've ever heard of, to to have a device that, that they make and that they can't make enough of on purpose. It doesn't make that's any sense. That's not good. Right? And so what? Then what? You'd, be, you'd have what? Uh, one million lucky people who got the ones that come out and <laughs> and and 50 million people who are like, well, I wanted the cool one, but I guess I'll get the one that's not cool and, you know, pay $800 for a phone that they didn't really want. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's dope. 
Right. Well, I did. It you know certainly is interesting rumor though. It's very similar to the iPad rumor I told you, where there's this third size with no bezels, right? It's very, it's sort of the same thing in both directions. But I don't know, you know, who knows whether they're ready for it. Doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Um, Size part, but we'll see soon enough, I guess. Yeah. The other thing that's weird about the rumor to me is that this new third size, five point eight inch, would be. it, that there's only one, you know, that there's not a correspond, you know, that that if they come out with a new edge to edge design and it has this 5.8 inch display that they're talking about, there's only one size of it, and that sounds unusual to me. It seems to me like this two size thing is a big part of Apple's, uh, you know, the appeal of the the iPhone lineup. It doesn't make any sense to me. What would that make bringing the other two products? Uh, you know, this year's products along, would that make that make more sense? No, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, but what if they only released one size of the edge to edge? I don't know. I, 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 I guess they could, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem, doesn't seem to yeah. fit with the pattern of Apple's previous releases. No, no, I agree. Uh, anyway, at least we have something for us to write about this year. <laughs> well, it seems that there's going to be a few things to write about for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, I thank you for your time. It's always good to have you on the show. People can uh, get all the Dalrymple they want at your website, uh, The Loop, which is at loopinsight.com. Uh, on Twitter, I think you're Jay Dalrymple, correct? I am, yep. And that's where they can they can get your tweets, which are uh, always always a pleasure. Cheer- <laughs> Cheerful. If you want to get cheered up, follow Jim. <laughs> Follow Jim Dalrymple on Twitter. It'll cheer you right up. Cheer you up. Yeah, no problem at all. (laughs) Yeah.